to Watching the Tudors. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And this is the podcast where we watch the Tudors after almost 10 years and go into the depth of the history and background of the show, explaining the stories behind the drama. You can learn more about the show and about us, the show being our podcast, and us at watchingthetutors.com. And this is episode two, Simply Harry. So let me talk about the reason why we're doing this and quickly go through our tutor cred. Well, my tutor cred. And I'm Heather, and I started the Renaissance English History Podcast in 2009, and it's still going on. It's one of the longest running indie history podcasts out there. So for more information on that, you can go to englandcast.com. And I thought it would be fun to go through and start watching the tutors from the beginning after almost 10 years and see what stuck out at me about this time period watching the fictional, historical fictional account of it. I'm Jonathan, and um, I'm Heather's husband, and I always am hearing uh, little bits about this time period of English history from her and thought that this would be a good way for me to sort of learn more about it um, in sort of an easy-to-consume way by watching a popular television show. And yeah, so I, I thought I'd be a little more involved in, in my wife's interests and thought it would be um, cool to watch a, a show as well. So there you go. Rock on. So what we're going to do is we're going to recap the show, and then Jonathan's going to ask me questions about what was real and what was dramatic license, shall we say, and then we'll sum up some main themes. So again, as usual, spoiler alert. This podcast assumes that you have watched or are watching The Tudors. So if you don't want to know what happens, you shouldn't listen. And as Jonathan pointed out last time, there's also spoilers in terms of like long term. Yeah, like long term spoiler. Like we're, we're going to try not to give things too much away. But, you know, there's certain things uh, that we just kind of assume you might know, like why Henry VIII is kind of famous and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't be too disappointed. We, we'll we'll try not to give away like any big things, but yeah, they might come around. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So in this episode, it originally aired in April of 2007. We were still newlyweds then. There's a lot that happens in this episode. <laughs> Much of it is based on true events. And some of it actually has themes that are quite deep if you kind of recognize them. So we have the field of the cloth of gold where Henry and the French King Francis sign a treaty of perpetual peace. And there Henry sees Mary Boleyn. He also gets his ass kicked by Francis at wrestling later back in London. There's treason afoot as Buckingham is executed. The French Alliance collapses and Woolsey feeling unsettled about his position gives Henry Hampton Court, which is the most splendid palace in England. And Henry also has a son, an illegitimate son by Bessie Blount, Henry Fitzroy. And meanwhile, his wife prays for a son because she doesn't have one. So that's kind of what happened in this episode. So you want to jump right into the questions? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, my first question is, it you know, it started out in the what was it? Valley de Or, like mm-hmm. Valley of Gold. Um, and it said England occupied France. So I guess 
like England occupied part of France around this time or? Yeah. Well, like we talked about last time with Henry V and why Henry VIII wanted to be powerful like Henry V, like about a hundred years before this time period, there was something called the Hundred Years' War, which they didn't actually call it the Hundred Years' War at the time because they were just fighting it. And the at the height of it, with the Battle of Agincourt, it the in the early 15th century, at that point, England owned like all of France, and mm-hmm. the English king was actually the heir to the French king's throne. Mm-hmm. And so England owned like everything. But then while the 15th century was going on and England was busy killing itself with the Wars of the Roses, France was able to get land back. And by this time period under Henry VIII, basically we have this little bit of land just across the Straits, Calais. And that's what England still owns in France. I see. Back then. Mm -hmm. Because now it's just all France. Right. Now, it actually was quite sad. During the reign of Mary Tudor was his daughter was mm-hmm. when they lost the last piece of Calais. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I guess that's why they referred to him as the King of Ireland, England, and France, because before they had France, but now they didn't really have France. Right. And, and nobody actually, Henry V never became the King of France. He worked out a deal where he was the heir to the King of France, Mm -hmm. but um, they'd like to include that. Also, there were, you know, the whole thing with back to 1066 with the Norman invasion, it was French, that the Normans that invaded England. And so there were all these people, nobles in England who also had lands in France. And as the years went on, you've got like these English people who have French nobility in them who are suddenly like claiming, you know, you, you could work out these claims to the French throne. Mm-hmm. And so it because was kind of they this, were kind of French. Exactly. Anyways, like, yeah. But English, I get it. But it's like 500 years later. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost they were almost separated by as much time as we are from them mm-hmm. at that point. But, you know, if you go back 500 years and trace your ancestors yeah, back, yeah. we could all claim. Well, yeah, I have, I have a claim to the English throne. Right. I think everybody does. <laughs> all right. Um, and he referred, you know, they, they kept, the kings kept referring to each other as cousin. Like, is that just a saying that people would yeah. have? Or Yeah. And I mean, Henry and Francis were kind of slightly theoretically related back to Henry's, God, what was it? Owen Tudor's Catherine of Valois. They were, it was like several generations um, that they shared some relations, but no, people would just call each other cousin. It was like my dearly beloved cousin. Like call each other brother. Like, yeah. Okay. And so there was like the fake looking, like when I saw that fake looking castle, I thought that's a pretty fake looking castle. And then, and then, you know, the one guy or Henry or someone showed him like, look, it's a fake castle. Yeah. So there was really a fake castle? There sure was. Nice. Yeah, here's a painting of it. I'll put the painting up in the nice. show notes. Yeah, no. Oh, it, 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 it looks like from the movie or it, from the show. It does. They, they must have seen that painting <laughs> as well. I think they did, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that it was exactly canvas. Like, I think it, but oh, yeah, well, whatever. It, it was I a mean, fake it castle that they built. Yeah, they didn't build it with Bricks. ton, ton yeah. rock, rocks. Um, and would they have spoken like the Kings, like they kept talking to each other, would they have actually spoken the same language or would they like had translators or? 
Yeah, Henry definitely would have spoken French. Okay. Because that was the, like, how these days, if you want to get ahead in the world, you speak English. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was if you wanted to get like ahead Like, French in was English. kind of the, the popular yeah. language around then. Or Italian, I suppose, too. And, you know, it's interesting, because most people were much more um, multilingual, especially nobility. Well, like nobility, yeah. Yeah, when you were... Growing up, you were educated in several languages. It was expected that uh-huh. you would speak French as well as, you know, likely Italian and yeah. Spanish. and Yeah. All right. And then they had the scene where they, like, brought in their children to get married. Yes. Um, well, not like right then. You know, he said, in, well, introduce you to your future husband. Yes. Like, would they, I guess, how would that work? Like, with no, I mean, I know there was arranged marriages and stuff between right. kings or, you know, their children. But would they marry children or would they just set them up so that when they became like 10 years old or something ridiculous, then they would marry? Or would yeah. they just marry them when they were like a baby or? Yeah. So you, it would, it would depend. You were sometimes married by proxy if you were really young and different people would stand in for you. So what is it? I mean, they would stand in for you at the, at the ceremony or they would like, or like your, your, your older cousin would like be literally married to the guy until you grew up. No, like, no, no, no. They would have a ceremony and it wasn't like your older brother, but it would be like some high ranking noble Uh would say, you know, I'm taking the place on behalf of mm -hmm. whoever I'm marrying. So-and-so such and such. Yeah. And then when the, the young person grew up to some age, then they would. Yeah. But the thing is, what they would usually have is a betrothal ceremony, Mm -hmm. which contractually counted as marriage, but marriage wasn't considered officially marriage until there was consummation, which that young they couldn't have. So they would have a betrothal ceremony, which would essentially seal the contract Mm -hmm. and say, okay, boom, this is done, because that was a binding contract. If you were betrothed to someone, Uh and that Henry ran into problems later on in his one of his wives when mm-hmm. yeah, and even Anne Boleyn, there was this idea that there was a pre-contract and those things were taken really seriously. Mm-hmm. So the people who go on the bachelor and get engaged at the end mm-hmm. of it would have had like serious problems. Serious problems. Like, <laughs> um, like, no, you, yeah. You so they would either have a betrothal ceremony or there would be a proxy ceremony. Okay. Something like that. Um, and Mary never, I don't think Mary ever had that with, uh, I, I think it was just, uh, they reached an agreement but yeah, well, they, they, they were going, it. they were yeah. going to, but then you know, exactly. he he wanted to ally ally against the French with the Spanish, so he probably would have pulled that pulled back. back, pulled the plug on that one. Yeah, yeah. So they were drinking wine, and um, the alcohol fanatic in me <laughs> wonders, like, what what was wine like back then? Was it like the wine we know now, or was it? Like stronger or weaker or, well, or just tasted different? I mean, I guess you haven't tasted wine from the <laughs> from back then. But. No, I haven't. But the one thing that is important to remember is that people really didn't drink water at this time period at all. Um, water wasn't clean. There weren't, you know, you drink from the same streams that like your cows crapped in and mm-hmm. there wasn't any kind of filtration or anything mm-hmm. like that. So um, there, people would drink mead and ale and all these kind of fermented drinks that 
were considered to be healthier and stuff and, you know, probably were because you weren't going to catch dysentery from mm-hmm. them. And so it, there were different kinds of, there was, there's a whole lot of thinking around wine and they, it was much spicier than it is now. Was, you mm-hmm. know, they put a lot of spices in it, but there were also these ideas around what kind of wines you would drink for certain types if you had ailments or if you needed more energy or what kind of food you were eating so it, was like, it was like an elixir of, of sorts yeah and there was um there's a great article on medievalist.net i'll put in the show notes on the different kinds of wines that that people would drink at the time and you know some it, it kind of is like today that there were all these varying kinds of okay. of wine but it would have been I hate to say a, a general generalization that it would have been weaker, but you know, people drank a lot of it. So I think it must. It, it probably wasn't as strong because everyone would have been everyone would, <laughs> would have been, been pleasingly drunk all the, all time. the time. Yeah, exactly. And okay. yeah, so uh, it. Yeah. Okay, so most likely weaker. Yeah. So the the bird cake, like Henry gave, what is it, Francis Francois. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cake with the with the birds that flew out of it yeah like that's like real or something yeah like what's what was that i don't know what does that symbolize when someone gives you a bird cake (laughs) well i don't know what it symbolizes uh exactly but there was a cookbook that came out in 1598 that said that you can make a pie that the birds may be alive in and then fly out when it is cut up so just sorry hang on yeah there was like cookbooks in yeah. in in the fifth in the 1500s like mm-hmm. well especially the print so the printing press was introduced to england in the late 15th century was that like gutenberg well gutenberg william caxton did it in england so okay. yeah gutenberg was the one who okay. initially did it okay and, and caxton. caxton brought it to england and actually henry VIII's grandmother elizabeth woodville was a, a very early patron of printing nice and her brother in fact anthony rivers was um a, a paid for a lot of printing to be done nice. so early on it was you know very expensive but by the end of the 16th century there was actually um uh, around saint paul's there was stationer's row and that's where Shakespeare would hawk his plays. And, you know, there would be people doing pamphlets and flyers. Suddenly by the mid to late 16th century, it became inexpensive enough to, so it wasn't like only royalty could have, huh? Yeah. And it was still expensive. No, I know. I know. Like, yeah, the average Joe Schmo working at minimum, but it wasn't like the only thing that they printed was the Bible or something. I mean, right. Like, cookbooks and stuff that's yeah. crazy and so who would like be able i guess we're kind of getting off topic a little bit who, okay. who would be able to get like these cookbooks like like the different lords and stuff i mean well, i think even and... like merchants wives would probably want to have them in her house to give to her cook nice. to say you know can you make this oh, and cool. so probably oh. you know there was also in the one of the things I find really fascinating about the 16th century is you have this move from England as a medieval country where the royalty was all killing each other and it was all based in blood feuds and everything mm-hmm. to an early modern country that, where you know, people had like books where people had like books. And also part of that was the economy at the time was really changing into, you know, what we would kind of call the new economy now, yeah. although it was the old 
old, old. But for the time, it was the new economy. And so people like merchants, there was suddenly all this opportunity for for tradesmen and hmm. and the, there always had been but you know there were a but lot not, not like there was at mm-hmm. that point yeah so there was a big rise in merchant class and trading and uh and in crafts and in part that was because there was a big immigrant population that came over because we're really getting off subject here but because of the religious wars in europe in the mid 16th century and there were a lot of refugees that came into england that brought with them crafts and trade and trades and trading and different stuff like things. That. so the economy yeah. changed a lot and there was like a, a new kind of new money sort of situation yeah, floating around yeah. So what's with the bird pie? Right. So you could bake a bird pie. Um, you would you would make the pastry, and it says put a hole as big as your fist or bigger, and let the sides of the coffin be somewhat higher than ordinary pies, and then put it full of flour and bake it, and then open the hole in the bottom and take out the flour. And then you have a pie that's as big. You have the hole. I'm mm-hmm. reading from the cookbook. And... So then you put the birds in because it's already baked. And so you take that hole out and put the birds in. And it it says that, uh, and this is to be at such a time as you send the pie to the table and set before the guests where uncovering or cutting up the lid of the great pie, all the birds will fly out, which is to delight and pleasure show to the company. <laughs> I would be so delighted. And because they shall not be altogether mocked, you shall cut open the small pie. And in this sort, you may make many others the like you may do with a tart. Lovely. Yeah. So living living bird pies. Good times. Yep. Um, When they were there, like at the meeting at the fake castle for the treaty, who was all the people in the tents? Like, like, was that all the court? Or whatever that you were talking about All last time. All the tigers on, yeah. So like, it took a lot to run like a court, and so that was like people like cooks, cooks, or, or people like, who took care of the horses, people who packed up. I mean, imagine like, all those like like tailors in case someone like mm-hmm. messed up their their royal gown. Or, yeah, or and like, like the choir, like Thomas Tallis was there singing. There would have yeah. been choir, and like King Henry's barber, and. You know, all of those people. And someone to load up all the tents. All want someone to load up all the tents. Someone to feed the horses. Someone to take it. care of all the animals. I mean, it because was Because there like wasn't a, just like a town. Like, right. All right. It was a huge production. Someone to, yeah, cook, to just bake. To- sort of reminded me of like a music festival. All these no, people think- in tents. <laughs> I know, right? It's like Glastonbury. Yeah. And yeah, and, and that's just how the court went. That's, you know, when you think about the size of the palaces, they were like cities. And yeah. that's why the court was was always having to move around because they would deplete the resources. Yeah. And so they had to go from castle to castle to castle. Yeah, because there's like no more food in the area. <laughs> exactly. Because like all the farmers just were done. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Thomas Tallis was singing to, to Henry while he was getting his beard shaved or yes. something. So Thomas Tallis sang as well? Sure. Sung, they would have had to. He would have. Well, he was a choral scholar. Okay. So, so he would yes. have. Most, yeah, definitely had to do that. And then, like, entertainment. So they had, like, sword fighting and wrestling and stuff. I mean, that's sort of something they would do, like, to keep them Mm -hmm. occupied, the royalty, like, watch people sword fighting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And wrestling and uh, fencing. Well, I guess sword fighting. and different. There were also, you know, dances and masks and more cultural things, live music and pageants. They have, like, plays type yeah, they would have early on. They would have masks, 
it it was uh, called. So the mask is like yeah. similar to a play. Yeah, and of. it was more like incorporating dancing and yeah. telling kind of morality stories and things like that. Okay. If you're interested in the theater, I actually did a little mini series on the history of the theater back in April on England. Nice. See how yeah. see how that just like see how flows. we work. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> such a flow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to listen to your podcast someday. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's really interesting because there were at the in early on there were like the mummers, and with the Protestant Reformation. One of the things that uh, the reformers wanted to do was get rid of everything that looked like it was Catholic. And part of that was the mummer's place that would go around from town to town to town. And so interestingly, the Reformation, in part, is to thank for the rise of the theater and for Shakespeare and Marlowe and all of those, Ben Johnson, all of those guys. And then it's ironic because then the Puritans, who were the reformists to the extreme, we're like, no, the theater's immoral, and blah, 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 blah. And they, like, shut the theater down when they could. But they're the ones who started modern <laughs> like the Yeah, they were the ones responsible for it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and the so the two kings, the French king and the English king. Yes. They wrestled. Yes. Like, did they really wrestle? Yes, and Henry really lost. Damn. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he if he really challenged if he was you know I wonder if he was really the one who challenged him that would be embarrassing. I think it, he probably would have been. That yeah. seems like the kind of thing that he would have done. Yeah, he was Just, very obsessed by Francis because you know they were the same age uh-huh. pretty much and they were very similar in yeah. in life. It you know when you think about kings throughout Europe, there's not that many countries and large countries Mm -hmm. especially so the chances that you're going to have a monarch who's like the same age and as you and everything like that is kind of unusual so it was it was a big deal for him they were rivals yeah yeah and like the french were kind of spitting at the english like with little things yeah 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 all right um and then so there really was a treaty yes and it, and it was really signed like yes. by both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Henry didn't like didn't want to when he was like busting up the place. I mean, did he really not want to? I think he probably felt quite uncomfortable with it. Yeah. He always wanted to make war. Yeah, with that's France. right. Because he just kind of got talked into it anyway. So he yeah. probably wasn't too thrilled about yeah. it all. Yeah. All right. Um, so Thomas Bullen. Yes. He kind of seemed like he was playing like everything. Like he was like hanging out with Buckingham. He was like mm-hmm. li- living in Paris. He was like talking to the king. He was like eighteen places and he was, at like, once, right? Yeah. So like, was he really kind of all over the place? Like, I don't think he was that much more all over the place than any other courtier, courtier, courtier. Yeah. But you know, for the purposes of the show, they want to show him plotting, and, and he did. But I guess just as as like a person, was he kind of like playing different sides and stuff? I mean, he wasn't. Everybody really... at court played different sides. Okay, so that's just what you did. That's you just kind of tried to that was the get only... in where you could mm-hmm, and, and try and survive and kind of like Woolsey is like playing everyone at the right. same time and like don't tell anyone else, just tell me and thanks yeah. for coming to me and yeah and trying to work out the Pope and all right. Um, so the husband, you know, they said that Lady Blount, mm-hmm. her husband was going to be given earlship and estates. Um, yes. 
So was she, she was married? She actually wasn't married when she was Henry's mistress, but she was married later off, later on. She was married off to, after she had Henry's son, she was married off and her husband was given a lot of estates and things like that. It was kind of a a coup for him to, because she was recognized as the mother of, So it was like keeping her comfortable, like through him, because they wouldn't give her stuff. And he was quite happy to have it because it was quite an honor. You get all that stuff. That's cool. Um, And who is the guy swearing to Buckingham? Like, so Lord Buckingham was like in his little throne or whatever. Mm -hmm. And some guy said, Lord, I swear my allegiance to you. Like, who would that guy have been? Like like another Lord? No, he would have been like a landowner on Buckingham's land. Like last time we talked about how Buckingham would have land in all these different places and in all those different places, there would be landowners and merchants and important other people, kind of sheriffs, elite people, but not necessarily royalty. Right. Yeah. People, People who ran the farms, people who mm-hmm. ran the estates. So not, not peasants. No. Okay. I don't think anybody I don't think anybody asked peasants to ever to, swear anything. To, to do anything. Um and Lady Blount really had a boy. Like yes. she she really had a king at boy by the king. Henry Fitzroy, yes. Yeah, they said that later. I just didn't know if it was like a real Yes. Um and then they had Buckingham arrested. Yes. And, like, for treason. But, like, how, I mean, how did they know? Just because, like, the king found out? Or, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you know this. Well, so Buckingham, you know, Buckingham, he never really liked the Tudors because Mm -hmm. they were a new dynasty. And his blood went back. It was the Plantagenets Mm -hmm. were the dynasty before the Tudors uh, that the houses of Lancaster and York, Lancaster and York were from. And he had Plantagenet blood running through him. And, you know, he thought that he had better claim to the throne than yeah. Henry II, which it could be argued that he likely did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so yeah, I'm sure it, that he would talk to people and there so were witnesses against him. And-, and he was, he was tried before a panel of 17 peers and you know that he intended to kill the king and he prophesied the king prophesized the king's death which was as much of a crime as actually trying to kill the king at the time well, that's kind of i mean yeah kind of like now you can't like threaten to to do something right. or say you're going to do something to the president or something that's a crime like yeah. even if there's um a biographer called John Guy who writes to your biographies and he said that he thinks this was one of the few executions of high personages under Henry in which the accused was almost certainly guilty. But, so like, this is like probably the only person who was rightly executed by Henry. Huh? But Thomas More complained that the evidence from servants, so they had evidence from servants, mm-hmm. that the evidence from servants was hearsay. Yeah. Well, More liked everyone. Right. He was a humanist. Exactly. Um, Are you going to start using it? I'm a humanist. Oh, you, you humanist. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to use it against people. You're just a humanist. Um, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Wolseley, Wolsey. Yep. Wolsey. Wolsey. Cardinal Wolsey. He like, seems like he kind of was the one like running things. Yes. Like, was he kind of the one running? I mean, I know he didn't have the final say on stuff, but he was kind of the brains of the operation, I guess, if you want to put it like yeah. that. 
And that's how, you know, we talked about that last time, that especially early on in Henry's career, uh-huh. when Henry first took the throne, he really didn't much care for the day-to-day running of the well, government. He, he just wanted to, like, go out and joust and exactly. have, have ladies and, and wrestle with people and yeah eat yeah. and yeah, do fun stuff. Who wants to, like, be bothered exactly. know, running a country? Yeah. Um, Wolsey, he wanted to do that. So yes. there you go. Um, so it seems like to me, not knowing like where this is all going, mm-hmm. like the whole over, over, you know, yeah. overriding stuff going on. It seems like things are going really fast. Yes. Like, is there just a lot to happen? Like, I don't know how they're going to get through five, five seasons. Is it? I don't show? know. It, yeah. Something like that. Something like this. I, I don't know how you're going to fill it up. I mean, it seems like they're going to be done with everything in like a few Episodes. We've only gotten through like a year so far. I mean, it's just there's so much drama. Like that's why people still love the Tudors because it's just like this full of drama. And like yeah. most of the stuff is true. Like I, I'm really surprised actually at how much of this stuff is true because mm. I would have guessed. Well, just well, I mean, I'm not saying that, Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what I mean in principle. Okay. I mean yeah. it's not like all these conversations took place, but just I don't know, just. Like him having the kid and mm-hmm. like the other, his queen can't have a, you know, a son and the treaties and you re- know, wrestling. I, it's like the wrestling, right? Um, I, I interviewed for my podcast, you know, I interviewed Alison Weir, who's a very famous author um, mm-hmm. from this time period. And I asked her in the interview, you know, why do you think this period still has such a hold over us? And she was like, cause wh- where else can you get, where else can you get such drama? Yeah. That was like really happened. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, a, it's just, it's some, it's, it's kind of amazing to me. <laughs> um, so did King Henry, he, did he really have a thing with Mary Boleyn? Yes. And okay. this is people who watch the Tudors will know the other Boleyn girl, which is a novel by Philippa Gregory, and it is it's, about yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Was one of the first kind of Tudor historical fiction books that got made into a movie. And nice, yeah. Well, we have more. We have more to watch. When we're <laughs> done with this. I'm, I'm into it. Um, so it's with Natalie Portman. You should like that. I. She's cute. She is. Um. Yeah, and speak. I, I was a little like just. I have to admit, I was a little disappointed. I, I feel like they really kind of, um, at least me, they led me to believe there would be more skin in every episode. Oh, and I, was, I was a little disappointed you're with a this. Disappointed uh, with this one. Yeah, I just got to see Henry kind of mostly naked, but that keeps the ladies um, happy. I, of course, it does. He, Jonathan Rhys Meyers. Yes, he's, he's he's fit. He is. Um, okay, so back to the story. Nor Lord Norfolk. Henry's guy came up to him when he was with his son and like had a ring and was like, this was your father's and mm-hmm. he was executed. And I like who executed who or what? Right. I'm, I was like really confused by that. Thomas like, Norfolk. You don't want to get executed. And, uh, right. Thomas Norfolk comes from a, another older family that they fought on the side of Richard the third against Henry, the Henry Tudor. Henry VIII's father, Henry VII. So Norfolk had fought against Henry's father, Norfolk's father. And I I believe Norfolk was there as well because he served Richard III. So Norfolk's father fought against Henry 
King Henry's father. Exactly. Okay. And, and he was, and Norfolk's father got executed by Henry's father. Right. And I see. Norfolk himself spent time in, um, in prison. And actually. And so the ring was supposedly Norfolk's father's ring, and they were giving it to him, like saying, you better not you better not mess around because you'll end up getting executed like your dad right kind of thing. here's a ring exactly here's a, here's a here's a reminder and actually i need to correct that because norfolk's father died at bosworth okay so he wasn't executed for but, richard the third but close enough and then norfolk himself spent time in the tower and lost some of his lands and stuff right after bosworth I see. yes so it's all it's it's not exactly historic the way they put it but but general idea is you don't want to end up dead like your dad. So right. Cooperate, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Good times, and and in front of his son. So right. Yeah. Wouldn't want There's your son to get mixed up in this. Right. Um. And then, I mean, I I feel like this is a stupid question, but there, supposedly there are no stupid questions. Okay. Is, is what they say. Yeah. Like people really got their heads chopped off, and like Buckingham himself, like Buckingham got his head chopped off. Like, yeah. Like. That that happened. Yeah, the and what they would do. So the only thing is for for nobility like that, especially old noble families, yeah. it wouldn't have been out in public yeah. like that. Um, so that that's one thing he would have had a much more private like private private execution. Chopping off of yeah, and God. what London Bridge itself, you know, um, the entrance to London Bridge for a long time would have all the heads of the traitors up above. And yeah. And so it would be a constant reminder. Like, this is why you don't, you know, this is why you don't plot against the King. Right. And, and so it's like a constant reminder not to go to London. Like, like just for the average. Well, okay. I'll tell you what, Mm -hmm. for the average person who was convicted of treason like that, beheading was almost a a better way to go. You would beg for Mm -hmm. having your head because they would be hung until they were almost dead, and then yeah, and then I, they would be brought down, I, and <laughs> they're okay. They would be for brought the down sake of our audience, yeah. And they would have their uh, they would be castrated, and they would have their stomach bits brought out and and they're burned in front of them the, while they were watching. And what's wrong with people? Then they would have their head chopped off, and then they'd be cut into quarters. And the quarters would go to the various provinces for people to remember, you know, this is so, this is the arm and half of the torso. Good. Yeah. But but I mean, honestly, like, I don't mean to, to bring anything on my brain, no, but to bring anything political into it, but people are still doing that. I I know I'm not, I'm not cool with it now either. Right. Just then now, anytime, like, what, why did people chop people's heads off? Well, it and, was like, a cut their guts out. It was a easy Jeez way to. Please. It was a quick and easy way to do it. And oh. you know, if 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 you I mean, had it, if you did it well, why can't we all just dance? Or if you, in, in case you can't tell, I'm I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> God. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on. Okay. Let's. So at the big so. They were, while they were chopping the dude's heads off, they were showing Henry holding his new son. Right. And he's really thrilled about it. Yes. So the juxtaposition yes. of life and death. Good editing. Yes. Yes. Um, 
So then they had a big party. Yes. And he shot a gun? Like, yeah. What, they had guns? Well, gunpowder was still very new. It was something that the Arabs had. Yeah. And so with, with more trading and things like that, they were able to, to – and there were, there were early forms of cannon that actually were in the Hundred Years' War with siege, <laughs> siege machines. So they were getting their heads around gunpowder. Gun yeah. It still wasn't reliable enough okay. to really be used on a regular to basis. Shoot people. Like, and, so you couldn't just request being shot instead of having your head chopped off. Right. It, you were probably going to have a much worse death. From yeah. that, even yeah. if you did, <laughs> um, yeah, it would be really not good. And also, tiny little shells that weren't going to uh-huh. do anything. So, okay. yeah, uh, but people were starting to get their head around gunpowder at the time, and you know, okay. they use it for show. Okay, yeah. So, side note, side question, yes, or whatever. And I, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Like, okay, I know, like, like the Arabs, d- different cultures were kind of ahead of some. Sure. This culture in some ways and stuff like that. Okay. Did other people have the printing press like before? Like was mm. was Gutenberg like the first guy that we we know that had a printing press? I don't think other people had it. Okay. Okay. Just sort of random question thinking about yeah. printing presses. At least, I mean, not a movable type. That's what okay. made Gutenberg so special was the movable type. So you can move around and... Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the sun. Yes. They said... I guess it was Cardinal. It, it doesn't matter who was yeah. saying to, mm-hmm. but like he was named Henry Fitzroy, right? And this was really like the son of the king, right? But not necessarily the well. Fitzroy the was the surname they would give to royal bastards who were recognized. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. So that means what, of the king. Nice. Yeah. Oh, Fitzroy. Okay. Good. Okay, so it's just like hi, I'm the Hen- I'm, I'm I'm Henry's I'm, illegitimate I'm the, son. Yeah, yep. right. I have his blood, but but yeah, my mom not the queen's. Was, yep, was naughty. Yep, um, and he stayed at Durham House. Yeah, he had his own household set up for him. He was raised very similar to what a prince would be. There's actually a chance that he actually spent time in the same household with Mary and you know some of the other royal children. Um, he was. He was given lots so of he honors. Was, he was, I mean, he was almost like his like full-fledged son. I mean, yeah. Kind of. And, you know, Henry VIII gave more honors to Fitzroy maybe than other kings would have done simply because he was Henry's only son yeah. for a while at that yeah, time. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty recognized. If you were going to recognize your son you were going to give him honors and he was going to be recognized you just at let court him be like a pauper or whatever right okay unless you were going to argue that he wasn't your son but yeah, yeah. you know most of the time people would if they were going to recognize the son they would treat the son really well okay so the next question the the queen yes. so queen catherine, catherine. of aragon mm-hmm. she like got out of her carriage and she was barefoot in the rain and mm-hmm. i mean they must have showed that for a reason so like right. what is that about she like, was visiting the our lady of walsingham shrine which was in norfolk it was a shrine that was actually built to be an exact replica supposedly of the room that mary had given birth to jesus in and it was a shrine that people would go to to pray for fertility and so also to give like the, the 
a fertility yeah. saint. Or you like you had to walk the last half mile in your bare feet. But interestingly, Henry himself actually went there to give thanks for his son that Catherine had born, who lived for like 40 days. Mm-hmm. And so when his son was first born, Henry went on this pilgrimage to Norfolk. Well, it's not really a pilgrimage, but he, he went to the shrine and walked, you know, barefoot to thank the Virgin for delivering his son. Uh-huh. And of course the son didn't make it. So he was a bit of a preemptive <laughs> sort of, he, he yeah. went too early, but presumptive that's the word. But um, yeah, it was a very popular shrine that actually was one of the ones, well, they were dissolved when during the dissolution of the monasteries, which will be a theme later on. When Henry went away from the church and dissolved the monasteries. Cause so that was a Catholic thing mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what Catherine was doing. She was, she was visiting the shrine of our lady of Walsingham. Okay. And I'd be interested. I'm not asking you, but I'm just, I'd be interested. I'm, I'm interested in like Catholic people. Like, do they still like do this? Like pray to shrines and stuff? I think so. I mean, I'll have to look that up. I know that, like they say, Hail Marys and rosaries and... Yeah, we're, yeah we don't know. Yeah. All right. So Thomas Bolin. Yes. Was he really, like, like setting up his daughters like that? Of course. Like, good. Wow. All right. Well, you know, you have to remember that girls were used for that. Yeah, Princesses I mean, I were, were used like, as a diplomatic tool. And if like you pawns in a bigger game, yeah, and you know that for a woman, that was where her power came from too. So, so she's like, well, "Wow, Dad, you really, you really set me up with a great opportunity." Right. I mean, I don't know. I'm so glad you know, my daughter lives in a different time. It's easy for us now, post-feminism, <laughs> to look really at that it. and yeah. say that's terrible and how dare he. But you know, at the time, women had so women only got opportunities yeah. through their men, and I guess it's better than everyone being poor and hungry. Oh yeah, and if you were gonna, if I you mean, were gonna them, have the opportunity, I, I mean, I feel like even now, like I don't know, look at Melania Trump, right? Why is she with Trump? Because he has like billions of dollars. It's not because she. I know, but I don't know that her dad like well, said, yeah, "Hey, yeah, there's yeah. that greasy old dude over there. Like, here, let me introduce you to him." I mean, that's <laughs> right, that's right, the part right, that right. I'm getting at. Like, it's. It's her dad. But you like, don't I think mean, that sure, still goes on? Like, I, I, I'm sure it goes yeah. on. I just, yeah, it's kind of like the beheadings. I just, I'm just not with it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like people marrying for love and stuff. <laughs> I'm just, I'm. You're an you know, idealist. I'm, I'm an idealist. I'm not a humanist, but I'm an idealist. <laughs> I'm a romantic. Yeah. Um. All right, and then my last, my last question. Yes. Demon. Woolsey. Yes. Is his name right? Yeah, Woolsey. Yes. Like he built, I mean, not uh, not like he physically built mm-hmm. it, but he had Hampton Court. Is that what it's yes, called? Hampton he Court. had that built. Like, yes, man, he had a lot. Of, like for being a butcher's son, yeah, he had that place. Like he was, and he had Whitehall stacked. was his York place before it became Whitehall Palace, and he had that. And so they were both. So he's just like building mm-hmm. badass palaces. He all was over the smart. Place. He was smart with his money, and he made a lot of money. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine how much money he would have made as Pope. Right? I mean, oh. He was doing all that just being a cardinal. Yep. Um, and then he gave it to Henry. Like, he yep. just like he just said, hey, that's a really nice place. And he's like, it's yours? Yep. And, and like, just just for the hell well, of so it? Well, so that's one of the themes that I was going to talk about. Look at that segue. Okay, see, I, you, 
you would have thought we planned this in advance and we actually we didn't. didn't. No. no, so Woolsey. So that's that's all I got. So okay. You can people like Woolsey. Henry VIII did really favor. Did really support kind of people who merit over genealogy in in part because or ancestry in part because his own ancestry was sketchy right mm-hmm. so he really supported people like Wolsey the son mm-hmm. of Bo- if they were smart and later Thomas Cromwell mm-hmm. if they were smart people if they could use their smarts to serve him he was all over it that was great as long as you were still in the king's good graces Wolsey and later Cromwell their problem was they didn't have this ancient lineage mm, to fall back uh, to on, fall back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't work for Buckingham, but for if you weren't actively plotting treason against the king, you know, people, he made a lot of enemies. And Henry, because people resented him, because, you know, the we'll old see. nobility, yeah, the old nobility resented him for having such power over the king when he was the son of a butcher. And so as long as he was in the king's good graces, he was okay. But as soon as there was any kind of faltering with the king's good graces, his enemies would pounce. And that's what happened to Cromwell, too. That, you know, as soon as the king maybe started to question him, there was nobody there for him to fall back on. support. Yeah, yeah. And and in one way, it's nice that Henry supported these new people, Mm -hmm. but it made it really hard because there there wasn't this... It was really fickle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Even if people would plant stories in Henry's ear and maybe he became a little bit suspicious of the person or whatever, you know, there there wasn't like, well, you look, you can look at my father or my grandfather or my great grandfather and all mm-hmm. these people who served your line and blah, 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 blah. He didn't have that. And, and he didn't and have this, this network other, of this other important person can, can vouch, can vouch for, for me and, and all that. Yeah. yeah they, in fact, they were actively plotting yeah, were against waiting. him. They were just waiting. Yeah. yeah. So Woolsey knew that he had to do his position relied only on the king mm-hmm. and so if the king wants hampton court the king I gets see. So hampton if, court if, if he just mentions uh-huh. know, like oh i like hampton yeah. court it's yours yeah because that's the his job yeah, is completely gotta, i get it yeah and so that's one of the themes is that um you know woolsey's in this tenuous position and later cromwell and we would see that's kind of what we would see with henry is that he would raise people up based on merit and wits and smarts. But then those people would be very isolated at court and it was really difficult for them, you know, in the end, as long as they weren't con it would, they had to be constantly, making you know, him making him happy. So quest just, you're kind of jumping ahead yeah. with Cromwell. We yeah. We haven't him. met him okay, yet. Cause I don't know. I've yeah. heard the name, but I don't. Yeah. Okay. So we haven't just, met him in the show just yet. Checking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so also, Another theme is that in this episode and in real life, Henry sees that he can have a son, which is making him question a living, healthy, you know, robust, thriving son, which is, again, making him question his marriage to Catherine even more. And, you know, it would be within a few years that he would really actively start to to make waves about questioning it. But, you know, it's these doubts are starting to get planted in his head that, you know, maybe I can't because it's her fault and because our marriage is based on breaking this law, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. And also the Tudors were still consolidating their power. So part of why Buckingham needed to be killed if he wasn't going to be loyal is he he did have a blood, a, a direct bloodline that he had a claim to the throne and it was a, a strong claim to the throne. And the, the Tudors 
were actively killing anybody who had a claim to the throne that could be perceived as better than theirs. And you have to remember that the Tudors on one side, they were the sons of um, a squire and who married the queen after her husband died. And he was like a squire. So it was nobody. And on the other side, they came from a line of bastards. And so their claim to the throne, they, the Henry Tudor basically got the throne because all the other nobles had killed themselves off during the Wars of the Roses. And he was able to beat Richard III on the battlefield. And that's where that came from. So this early on still, you know, the Tudor dynasty at this point is still only 40 years old or so. And there's still these people who we look at 1485 and say, oh, that's when the Wars of the Roses ended. But at the time, they didn't look, they didn't know, they didn't say, oh, okay, 1485, boom, time to stop the Wars of the Roses. It was still like, you know, there's this person who has this claim to the throne who could be a threat to me. And there's this Chilling. person. Yeah. yeah, no, and they did. And um, there were still people being killed. Margaret de la Pole is this appalling story. She was 60 years old, and she was the daughter of one of the brothers of Edward IV, who was the Yorkist king. And so she, the Duke of Clarence, she was uh, his daughter. And she was 60 years old when she was killed and she was beheaded and was actually apparently quite a grisly murder because she like was running around and like trying to avoid the, the ax man. She, it was like, he had to stab her several times and stuff. It was like, she was like 60 years old. Right. And so, you know, the tutors are, Henry Tudor's really all about consolidating his power at this point and wiping out anybody who could be seen to be a threat to him at all. And so I think that's another kind of theme mm-hmm. that's in this episode. And finally, Henry really needed a male heir. He really needed a son. So also because of that yeah. whole Wars of the Roses thing, like yeah. he needed a son that was when he died, if he died, that they would unquestionably Boom. This is the king. This is the king. Yeah. And a bastard son wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do that. Wasn't gonna cut it. Right. That's right. Right. So I guess that's it. Cool. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. We hope you like it. And we'll be back soon with episode three. You can learn more about us and get more information about us at watchingthetutors.com. And you can also learn more about my podcast, Renaissance English History Podcast, at Englandcast. Dot com, which is actually, if you go to watchingthetutors.com, it's like in the same place. So yeah, thanks thank, so much. Thanks for listening. We we'll talk to you it. again soon. Yeah. Take care. Oh, and if you like this show, please rate it on iTunes. It makes such a big difference to the success of shows if you rate them on iTunes. All right. Rock on. Bye. Thank you. March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.